Wake up, wake up, 502 is going down. What's happening in the Derby City? Rashawn Myers, your boy, taking care of you on Big X Radio this morning. And you know what? Joined as always in studio by my man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Haven Harrington. And Haven, I tell you what, this morning, I think Scott Satterfield may have found the glow. How are you doing, my brother? I'm doing good. (laughs) <laughs> Where'd you find that, man? Good Lord, I haven't heard that in like in ages. Hey, I had to take it back. You know, I since Louisville won the game versus Duke down in Durham on Thursday night, I've been contemplating and just thinking, what is the perfect song to encapsulate uh, you know, all this energy that now, you know, Card Nation has about their football team because people I feel like are getting genuinely excited about what's going on with Louisville football. I did, 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 did I do a good job, sir? That's that's the question I want to know. You did a very good job. That <laughs> He has found the glow. I, I tell you what, just like when Bruce Leroy finally sat down and figured out what the master was talking about, there was only one thing that kept him from finding the glow, and that's realizing that you are the master. <laughs> And Scott Satterfield finally figured out, you know what? I am the master. And I, let me tell you something. Very, very impressive showing. We're going to get into that. We're going to also, of course, break down uh, plenty of things going on with college football in general. Of course, uh, the Cats are taking on New Mexico State today. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit, um, as well as we're going to get in uh, to Louisville basketball. I'm, I'm feeling a little bit better. Last uh, Saturday morning, I was a little emotional Uh, talking about uh, just all the ridiculousness of what happened with Louisville basketball the previous Friday, uh, a week ago last Friday. Um, So, you know, we're going to talk about that and and plenty more things to get into. uh, We may actually have a special guest coming on in hour number two. Um, So we have so many things to get into, Haven. But, you know, I guess the, the biggest thing or the most important thing, especially when you got the Governor's Cup game coming up 
you know, we took a year off from the Governor's Cup uh, last year uh, because of the, the COVID restrictions and playing uh, conference-only schedules. Um, so after Kentucky, you know, as expected, I, I don't think there's going to be any issues uh, with New Mexico State. I think that Louisville's going to take care of business there. Um, so at that point, it's game on. Uh, so for Louisville fans, I've already started seeing the hate week tweets. I've, I've already started seeing some very hilarious pictures on Twitter, um, you know, just kind of adding juice to that rivalry. I, I feel like the Louisville fans um, are genuinely excited. And Haven, I, I, I'll just have to say where we were midseason, um, I did not think things could turn that way in terms of how the Louisville fans felt about their team. So if you could just kind of give me your thoughts about uh, the game down at Duke, um, you know, the, the back-to-back, hand, you know, easy handling of conference opponents. And if you want to give on, get, get in on the conversation, 502-414-1450 is the text line. 502-384-1450 um, is the call-in line. Give us a call or, or a text on the uh, Thornton's text line. Uh, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on Scott Satterfield, uh, the football team, and anything else that you hear that we're talking about. But, Haven Harrington, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, the, the impressive – uh, forty point uh, beat down that that you saw on Thursday night. This is, I thought the Syracuse game was like the most complete game Lowe's ever played since Scott Satterfield's been here. But this actually may be literally the most complete game that that Lowe's ever done, that Lowe's ever played under Scott Satterfield. It was everything that we wanted to see—a blowout from start to finish, complete scoring, complete domination. This is what we kind of signed up for when we wanted to see Louisville play lesser-tier ACC teams. So I'm very excited for this. I'm excited to see this happen. But, man, Duke just looked horrible. I mean, this is like one of the worst Duke teams I've seen in a while. These guys can tackle. Man, they can do anything. But, hey, all power to a Malik Cunningham. Duke took advantage of him and, and just sliced him up with his feet and his arm. I mean, this this game was just spectacular. But this is a this was exactly what Louisville fans needed. And this gives us hope. This infuses the program with energy, gets you excited. And, and, you know, and more importantly, this makes the rival game once again a rival game. You know, because before these past two beatdowns, I talked to a lot of Louisville fans. And they were not convinced at all that they could beat Kentucky. They almost thought this was just going to be a foregone conclusion that was going to get ran over again by the Wildcats in Cardinal Stadium. But after these two games, after you saw what the offense can do when, when, when you open it up and call aggressive plays, when you see what the defense can do once you start calling defense aggressively, now, now you have hope. Now you have faith that you can go ahead and beat the Wildcats, especially after you saw the Wildcats secondary when they played decent quarterbacks, how they've just been sliced up by, you know, Mississippi State and Tennessee and everybody else, especially with the deep plays. And that's what Louisville's good at. Louisville's good at doing deep plays. And we're good at gashing opponents for, you know, big amounts of yardage and big plays. And that's exactly what this U.K. defense gives up, especially in the secondary. They give up big pass plays. They did it like all night long against Tennessee. They did it even against Mississippi State. That's a dink and dunk team. So like, what's you know what's Malik going to do when he comes? You know, when when the Wildcats come to town, he can just air it out. 
bombs away. You got these guys running willy-nilly in the secondary. Man, I mean, there's so much hope now on Floyd Street. Absolutely, and and you know that that's the uh, that's the interesting thing is that um, as things have gone along, I mean, it's gotten to a point where where you know there's a good possibility, Haven, that Louisville may actually be favored in this game, and, and you know, coming off of a. a season where Kentucky fans thought that you know this is finally the time you know we finally have our time this is going to be our huge you know I don't want to say Lamar Jackson-esque Heisman moment type season but they did they, they, they thought this was an opportunity for them to take that um, step up to the next level and then you know all of a sudden now things have been thrown in a tizzy and of course uh, we are also now being joined by the man the myth the legend himself at that boy's good Mr. Joe Kelly Joe how you doing this morning? Doing well, guys. Doing well. How about yourselves? Doing well, man. I, you know, just just marveling um, at what a difference a couple of weeks make. Um, you know, with this Louisville uh, fan base and where they are with this football team, where uh, it seemed like they were left for dead after so many jarring, jarring losses and so many different ways to figure out ways to lose games. You know, people t- kept talking about Louisville um, started being becoming professionals at snatching victory from uh, or snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. Um, what, what do you think about Louisville? Um, do you think? Um, that they can continue this momentum. How are you feeling overall? Just, just give me your thoughts first um, on the Duke game and, and where Louisville is after back-to-back beatdowns of Syracuse and Duke. Uh, has it changed your opinion, um, or do you still want to see more before you believe it? You know, I mean, this is this is sort of one of those unfortunate moments for a coach that that you you pound Duke, you put sixty points on him, and, and I'm like, good job, you did exactly what you're supposed to do to that awful, awful awful football team i watched i watched duke you know a handful of times this year and i made the, i made the comment to a buddy when when they they the game kicked off that i swear to you every time i've watched duke somebody on defense is completely lost just i mean no clue where he is and there's there are complete chunks of the field that are wide open so hopefully you know all things go the way they should we should get 60 points on these scrubs my question will be, do we get up big in the first half? Does he get conservative in the second half? Scoreboard's not really indicative of the, of the way Louisville controlled the game, you know, because that's, that's been uh, the M.O. Of, of Scott Satterfield this season. Get that lead, get comfortable, start maybe second-guessing yourself. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm curious to you guys, was it just Duke is that bad that they couldn't stop anything? I mean, no shade. Malik had a, had a phenomenal game, but Duke, Duke was – they got the game ball from our offense, right? Like, their defense was just awful. Was that was that Duke couldn't help themselves but give up 60 points or, or was that auditioning for a, a job opening down that way? Well, I mean, and, and that's a good question because that's what I've heard a lot of. You know, it was very interesting listening to the ESPN broadcast. And it's funny, all these ACC games this year, and I don't really know how to put my finger on it, but it just and truthfully not just this year. It seems like since Louisville joined the uh, the ACC, every time Louisville plays a football game on there, it feels like the other team's home crew broadcasting the game. I don't know why that is. I don't I you know, 
some people say that you know Louisville's still kind of getting the the new kid on the block treatment. I guess in terms of you know the the guys that cover the ACC still looking at Louisville as an outsider. So maybe that's what it is. But it was just very interesting to to hear the love fest of everybody trying to talk about how you know uh, Scott Satterfield grew up in the shadows of whatever that terrible stadium's name is, and you know how he could. That's amazing that he's not a Duke football fan, and you know I, I'm like, dude, it's Cameron Outdoor. Right, yeah, Cameron Outdoor Stadium. I mean, you know, I like it, it's a, it's a, it's a. They're first of all, they're a horrible football team. Like, I wasn't a Louisville football fan when I was a little kid. You know why? Because Louisville sucked. Like, Louisville was a basketball only team for me. Like, when Louisville football started having a pulse, and you know, Browning Nagel ultimately um, got Louisville uh, on the big stage versus Alabama. Then I started following Louisville football. Of course, I was a little kid. I was probably you know eight to ten years old. So you know, you, if you're not winning and if it's not fun at that age, you don't care. You know, I was a, a Oakland Raiders. Bo Jackson fan when it came to football as a little kid. You know, I didn't care about anything else and I didn't follow any other college program. So, you know, I mean, the fact that they try to say they just can't believe that Scott Satterfield wasn't a Duke football fan. When is Duke football? I mean, outside of, I guess, um, when the old ball coach was down there um, playing and coaching, they were, you know, they were decent. But, I mean, it's Duke football. Nobody likes Duke football. Duke food, Duke fans don't like Duke football. So, you know, I mean, look at I mean, how many people were in there in the, in the stadium on, on uh, Thursday night? Like 13, 14, something like that. <laughs> I mean, you know, no one cares tens about Duke of, football. Tens of people. Yeah. It, tens of people were in attendance. You know, so, I mean, it, it's one of those things where ESPN was definitely on the Scott Satterfield, you know, maybe he's auditioning for the job. Please come save us. You know, you have a history here type situation, like which I it, it was very it was almost uncomfortable how much they were, uh, you know, just kind of on the man's jock. You know, I, I it, it was it was a bit if much. He, if he if he were to t- to take the Duke football job, leave the University of Louisville with with money, you know, still on the table for them, with the offense that he's got coming back next year potentially. If he left that to go coach Duke. Oh. Man, Merry home really is where the heart is with that guy. He would really I not mean, want to be at Louisville for that to happen. Yeah. Right. Like, you hate it here. Please leave, sir. This marriage is not working. Yeah, like, I, I don't want to hear anything about Scott Satterfield and flirtations to Duke. Like, <laughs> I, that that's a fireable offense in itself, just if he's even chatting. Like, you know, you had all the, the conversations that, that came out about South Carolina last year. And while you don't like it, and you, South Carolina is a slight step down, in my opinion, from Louisville, even though they do play in the SEC. Um, if you're having flirtations with Duke football, like, bye. That that <laughs> you know, like that that's not even that's like sloppy thirds. <laughs> that's not I even mean, sloppy. Seconds. If I'm the AD, yeah, if I'm the AD, we we got to go back to like old days. I'm slapping you with a glove. We got a duel at sunset because one of us got to go. Yeah, like, you can't be flirting with Duke. No. Yeah, because like it's like I'm sad for you if if that's what you wanted. You know what? At that point, I please take him <laughs> to Durham. I, but, like just. But hey, please. hey, man. You know. It, I mean, what do y'all think? I, seriously, is it just Duke is that bad that they couldn't stop anything? Because I mean, we were we were fairly vanilla. In that, I, in that second half. I, I feel like, you know, and this has been the thing with Scott Satterfield. I I, I think Duke's bad, okay? But Duke, uh, a couple things about Duke. Duke 
offensively has been a team that has you know in terms of yards uh, produced this year um this is uh, the most yards ever produced under david cutcliffe uh this year for duke the problem has been being able to punch the ball in when they get into the red zone and turnovers okay that's where duke has had issues so duke has had a functional offense this year i think that the the difference that i've seen both this week and last week is that scott satterfield louisville and this is the thing that i give louisville credit for um They've not had a stinker of a game where they just came out and they were just listless and nothing worked and they were just con- completely and totally out of it. That hasn't happened all year. I mean, people can go back and talk about the first uh, week versus or the first half versus Ole Miss in week one. Um, but I think a lot of that just had to do with Ole Miss and the fact that Louisville's play calling was ultra conservative uh, to start the game. And once they did turn up the temperature and turn up the volume in the second half they played well so like you've literally not had a game this year where Louisville didn't come out and have good energy and have some success on one side of the ball or other I think that the biggest thing that we've seen the last two weeks is just a simple fact that Louisville decided to keep their foot on the gas they decided to continue to you know push and punch and you know make those things happen uh continually well into the second half and I think that made all the difference in the world you know I think at the end of the day Scott Satterfield, uh, Joe, has decided to figure out, you know what? I don't have to let my foot off the gas. I don't have to be the nice guy. I can play the all shucks card after the game. I don't have to help this guy up off the ground. I can tackle him and then spit in his face. I can continue to put my foot on the throat. You know what? With that, we're going to go ahead and take our first break of the day. Or You are listening to Wake Up 502. Rashawn Myers, Joe Kelly, Haven Harris are taking care of you here on Big X Radio, and we'll be right back.
And welcome back in to Wake Up 502, taking control of your Saturday morning. Rashawn Myers, Haven Harrington, Joe Kelly back with you uh, for the second segment of the first hour. Uh, we are talking Louisville football. Coach Scott Satterfield, uh, Coach Brian Brown showing out, showing big on Thursday night football. Uh, you know what, fellas? I love the fact that I can actually go into a Saturday and not have to be stressed, depressed, upset, you know, biting my nails until a, a seven o'clock kickoff, trying to figure out if my team's going to win. Me sitting over at Joe Kelly's crib, so pissed off about what's going on. I don't even get make it to the end of the game because I just want to go out and have something fun to have. Isn't this better? Like, Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, this is so. Um, you know, we, we actually have like we can enjoy our Saturday, Joe. Well, you know, man, here's the thing. Like, being a Louisville fan makes you kind of a quirky college football fan if you've been following this team for 20-plus years. I got spoiled back when we were in our 20s on Thursday night football. I got spoiled by that, guys, because it meant I could be completely dialed in on a Thursday night. Everybody knows most of the colleges over on UofL's campus, most of the departments don't have Friday class anyway. If you do, they probably don't take attendance. So Thursday night game got you kick-started for your weekend, and then Saturday you were wide open to do whatever you want. And there's nothing better than getting to enjoy college sports on a day as just a casual observer. Like those days in March when your team's not playing that, that specific day, opening weekend, and you just wake up and watch games all day until midnight, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. I mean, and when you can do it and your team's already got a victory secured, now they are bowl eligible as well. It just, you know what, this is supposed to be the standard operating procedure for Louisville football every year. Um, this is where they're expected to be. Um, this is where you want them to be. So, uh, you know, just uh, it, it feels good, Haven Harrington. Yeah, it feels real good, you know, but to kind of piggyback on something Joe said, because Joe kind of threw a little wet blanket out there about – is this fool's gold? You know, is this, is this Louisville team just beating up on horrible ACC teams, the two worst teams in the ACC, or is this real? H have they figured it out? Have they really kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together? And I think that's what we're going to find out next week when they play Kentucky because, you know, they, they beat up on a bad Syracuse team and they beat up on a god-awful Duke squad. And – and they did what they're supposed to do, which is awesome. But now they're going to face a little stiffer competition. So now we get to see, was it smoke and mirrors? Is it real? Is, is Can he keep up that level of energy and aggressiveness? And can he keep up this level of tension, focus, and attack against a similar team, a team of like talent? 384-1450 is the call-in line. 414-1450 is the text line if you want to get involved as well. Sorry, Haven. I had to let the people know. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. And, and that's what is so intriguing to me about this Kentucky team, about this Kentucky game. Because now we're going to see, is it smoke and mirrors or are these guys real? Well, you know, I've been critical of Set all year, and, and I'm gonna, I got to give him his, his flowers, too. The one thing that I think he doesn't get enough credit for, for my, <clears throat> myself and, and, and the entire fan base, the fans may be upset, and I think it just sort of proves that we really are kind of – we're a little bit jaded after the South Carolina flirtation. And and we've been through that enough times we don't really need to rehash why our fans are rightfully upset about that. But I think it, it sort of shows that 
fans are a lot more upset with the coach than the players are because he has not lost that locker room. This team's had some ugly losses. And, uh, ugly losses in, 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 the, in the terms of, of last-minute, fourth-quarter blow-ups, you know, uh, games they, they truthfully should have won. And the fact that he never lost the locker room at any point. The last two weeks are evidence of that. So, you know, hopefully it's not smoke and mirrors. Even if it has been a little bit of that, I'm glad that they got two whoopings under their belt going into the rival game because I think the, I think the team is a little juiced up. I think they are feeling themselves. They need to. Yeah, and, and that's kind of the thing that, you know, going into this two-game stretch, you know, I was of the mind, you know, when Louisville is sitting there at four and five after just another just frustrating loss to Clemson, um, you know, I didn't think there was anything that could get people excited and juiced. I was like, well, you know, they're going to win their next two games versus or likely, you know, versus Syracuse and versus Duke. So I didn't really think there was going to be anything that fans could do to or Louisville could do to get the fans excited um, going into the last game. I, I really didn't like. So the fact that Louisville has just kind of risen like the Phoenix from the ashes and, you know, people are actually juiced to where now, you know, they feel confident versus Kentucky. I mean, this is a Kentucky team that was sitting at, at undefeated 6-0, and playing Georgia for all the marbles in the SEC East um, just a few weeks ago. Uh, and, you know, Kentucky's riding high. We're seeing their name come up on college football playoff boards and things of that nature. Um, you know, to go from what there to where Louisville is now, it's very – I mean, in the one similarity that you have to the Lamar Jackson year – flip-flopped is just the simple fact that Kentucky went from the team with the college football playoff aspirations and starting to get a little bit of national hype and getting some of that that unbelievable attention that is just so intoxicating we talked about that last week um, to now you come into a situation where that year um, Lamar and Louisville lost a just got dog walked at Houston before coming back home demoralized and losing Kentucky losing to Kentucky um and Steven Johnson and that that game you know, I, I hated that Todd Grantham lost his job, but like I couldn't even defend the brother when, when you know, you, you allow Stephen Johnson to just slice you up like that. Oh God! Like I, I couldn't even defend the dude. The uh, man looked like Tom Brady that game. Oh my gosh! You know, so so you go from that those highs of those highs of where Louisville was. Uh, you know, when Haven, of course, me and yourself were down there at Clemson watching Louisville uh, just put on an amazing show. To go from that high and that attention to where Louisville fell to by the end of that year. That was just a precipitous fall from grace. Um, you know, and now Kentucky um, is getting a bit of that medicine themselves. They went from thinking, you know, we could be different. And, and you know, the, we've heard the bravado. We've heard all the talk about, you know, Kentucky is just on a way different level and that Louisville's never going to catch up and their recruiting is so good and they're bringing in so many, uh, you know, four- and five-star type talent that, you know, Kentucky's just lapped Louisville uh, and ha, 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 and look at them. To now, Kentucky fans are nervous and Louisville fans are excited. Well, the, you know, shout-out to Lachlan McLean because he really got under some people's skin and said congratulations on Mark Stoops for getting Kentucky in his tenure, to 500 in the SEC. That is no short feat for Kentucky. However, it's 500. It's even money. Stop at, Stop saying he's out here winning the SEC. Rashawn, you pay closer attention and can, and can rattle it off off the top of your head better than I can. 
what is Kentucky's quality win this year? I'm talking about on paper, <laughs> not the not the sticker on the helmet. Uh, not the sticker on the helmet, because I'm tired of hearing about how they beat Florida and LSU this year. Congrats. Based on those teams this year, you did your job. Nothing more, nothing less. You got smoked by by Mississippi State. Yeah, no, I, I, you know what? And it's interesting because the two wins that, that Kentucky fans are going to hang their hats on, the wins versus LSU and Florida, I have a feeling that both of those jobs are going to be looking for coaches at the end of the year. So <laughs> it, it kind of continues the tradition. If you lose to Kentucky, you're going to lose your job. Like the years well, in which Tennessee lost fired. to Kentucky, somebody got fired. Well, that's exactly what they said caused Ed Odron's job at LSU was that loss to Kentucky. I mean, that's literally what cost him his job was losing to Kentucky. Like so that I like that that's oh, still where Kentucky is. And, and you know, I, I agree with you, Joe. I think it's one of those situations where the the best thing that Kentucky's done, and I give them wholehearted credit for it, is because they had a plan. They said, Look, fellas, all we're gonna do is just schedule three guarantee wins every year. Figure out a way for us to at least find three wins. We got Vanderbilt. That's basically a, a extra built in FCS game <laughs> for you know most 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 years. So if we can beat Vanderbilt and then just figure out a way to win two more teams and we just start to win go six and six, which is better than things have ever been at Kentucky. And we just continue to just Spark the narrative that Kentucky's here, that we're SEC, that we're making bowl games, we're on the way up. What they did was, and it was brilliant, they made perception reality. And they made the perception that, hey, we're just going to keep talking it up and we're going to just keep having this bravado and talking up this game until they got people excited about smoke and mirrors. But it worked. Like, I have to give them credit for that because they did change their recruiting. They did start to get better players. And they used this perception that they were – you know, this power up-and-coming SEC team, and they've gotten more play and run out of that than I ever thought possible. Haven, you got to at least give them credit for that. You have to give them a lot of credit because they, they have gotten the recruits, and especially in the most important places along the lines. I mean, Kentucky's defensive line, until they had two injuries, was was dominant. I mean, mm-hmm. they were dominant, until, but they lost their two biggest stars injury. Uh, the offensive line is is really good. They have a really good offensive line. Uh, they still have trouble finding a quarterback, even with transfers. Levis is horrible and consistent. When he's on, he's on. But when he's off, oh, God, he's horrible. Um, <laughs> to, put it, <laughs> to, to put it mildly. I mean, but it has been smoking mirrors. But to, to give Kentucky credit, they figured out the South Carolina bug. So now they're – that's almost a Vanderbilt level win for for Kentucky yeah. now. It's playing South Carolina. That's so that's that's basically five guarantee wins every yeah. year going in. That's five guarantee wins, and they're good enough now where they're not afraid of the Mississippi schools. Where yeah. where Kentucky fans yeah. now consider yeah. Mississippi schools like those should most seasons those should be wins. Well, especially Mississippi State that that should be a win most seasons. So they they have gotten a lot better, and it's also helped that SEC East has been down. Um, as has fallen a lot. So, you know, they, they have gotten better. They have gotten more competitive. They're not, you know, they don't do the things that they used to do when Mark Stoops first got there, like leave dudes completely uncovered for like two plays in a row. Like they, they, they stopped doing that at least. Not as them like willy-nilly down the field on them, but at least they stopped like leaving them completely uncovered. So, you know, progress has been made, but – you know, is this going to be the magical season that people thought it was? No. At one point, like you said, they were 6-0. and People were thinking, these guys will be like 11-1. Yeah, probably <laughs> lose to Georgia, but 
We should beat Tennessee. <laughs> we should beat Mississippi State. And then after we beat, after we beat Tennessee, Mississippi State, the, the schedule's easy. Just got Vanderbilt. We have New Mexico State, and we should beat Louisville because, like, we Louisville destroyed. sucks. Yeah. Yeah, Louisville sucks, and we destroyed Louisville last year. Right? We completely, utterly embarrassed them at the Commonwealth Stadium. So we should be able to do that again. And, you know, they wind up having a shootout loss to Tennessee, an improving Tennessee team. They're, they're getting better. Mississippi State team is, you know, Mississippi State. They're, they're getting better. They're ranked. So, you know, that's okay. And then, you I know. Guess, I, I get. I guess that's sort of my point. You know, last week I said, you know, if you're a Kentucky fan, Louisville fans have been here. I know they don't like hearing that, that that we we know what these waters are like. And until Halloween, man, just enjoy your season, but don't be talking about, oh, it's a magical year. It's it's Man, just have fun and enjoy it because it can get real, real in like a two-week period in the college football season. Oh, most definitely, most definitely. But What's their marquee win? You know, it's a good question, but you know what? It's kind of weird that Louisville, Kentucky, I actually think, are the same team about to collide next week in Cardinal Stadium. And you know what? On that note, we're going to start to look forward uh, at that game and kind of start to talk the early uh, breakdown of the Governor's Cup. You are listening to Wake Up 502, Rashawn Myers, Joe Kelly, Haven Heron, to taking care of you. Uh, and we're going to go ahead and hit this next break. You are listening to Big X Sports Radio. going to be a showdown at Cardinal Stadium. And it's all about the good, the bad, and the ugly of Louisville and Kentucky football. Ned Flanders versus Chief Wiggum. <laughs> going down. <laughs> <laughs> I think Joe Kelly liked that. Hey? <laughs> oh, that killed me. Oh. Hey, I, the I, accuracy. <laughs> Hey, real talk, man. It, it it is it is the funniest showdown that I feel like I've ever seen, and and Scott Satterfield definitely got the first shot in. Like I feel like this coming week, fellas, is gonna be an all timer because right after the game, literally right after the game, and this is what gets me excited. And this is probably where. I like if I'm Scott Satterfield, you know, I'm sitting at home with my little sweater vest on. You know, and I'm watching this game, and I'm I'm watching my team kind of flounder and can't keep losing. And then I just feel like if I'm Scott, Scott was probably sitting there. He's like, "Gosh darn it, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of the fans being on me. I'm tired of people thinking I can't do it. You know what? 
I'm going to run up some numbers, golly. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to prove that I can do it. Oakley Doakley. <laughs> and you know what? He threw down the gauntlet. He ripped off the sweater vest and put on his visor, and he came out there, and he showed it. And after that game on Thursday night, the first thing he said to the media when asked about Kentucky was, you know what, I didn't really know what the rivalry was and what the rivalry was about, but I do now, and I cannot wait for Saturday. About damn time. That got me excited, Haven. It should get you excited because that first year, he just looked like he was in the middle of the field, shaking hands, complaining about the L's down, and Stoops like literally laughed in his face and walked off the field. <laughs> like literally <laughs> laughed in his face, money. turned around, and walked off the field. And he's standing there looking like Dead Flanders like, <laughs> hey, guy, hey, hey, guy, come back. Jim Willikers. <laughs> the, the look on his face when Stoops did that to him, it what was that bully on Goofy? Bluto <laughs> that used yes. to just always punk Goofy and then light a cigar and walk off. Going, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, like so. Like I, I just feel like I feel like Scott Satterfield's tired of it. And, and Haven, I, I think that, that you know we were chatting during the break. I, I think you you said it. You know we got to figure out who's right and who's real. Because these two teams couldn't be more similar. Coming into this game, both of these teams, if Kentucky, if they do what they're supposed to do and take care of a horrible New Mexico State team, both of these teams would have come in with big-time wins, beating horrible competition. So you really don't know if they solve their issues with if Kentucky, if they solve their past defense issues, and if Louisville has actually solved their being able to finish out games issues. So you really don't know if, if those two things have been solved or righted because the competition was so inferior. So these guys still coming to the game facing each other with those two big question marks going to playing each other. So it's just so interesting. The Thornton's text line, 414-1450, we have a text in to the text line, uh, said, uh, it'll be 2019 all over again, fellas. They just can't match up in the trenches. And I definitely think that this is where this game is going to be won, uh, is in those trenches, the big blue wall versus this revamped Louisville defensive line where, you know, I have to give Louisville credit. Their defensive line, they've been one of the best run-stopping defenses in the ACC all year long. Like, that's probably been um, the most stout part of this Louisville defense all year has been the rushing defense. Um, and that's where Kentucky really made their hay two years ago. What, what, what do you guys think about the matchup in the trenches? I think our defense has looked much improved because they're not spending two-thirds of the game on the field. I think it's, it's that simple, man. If we get off the field, we'll be fine. You know, honestly, we, don't, we do not have the depth to, to get out there you know, and, and play a war of attrition with the D-line. We never have. I agree. No, I mean, and that's the thing. But you know what? The big blue wall for Kentucky, um, as it's as their offensive line has been dubbed over the last couple seasons, um, this year they aren't what they have been. Like, Kentucky's still been a decent running team, but Chris Rodriguez, Cavassier Smoke, um, and that Kentucky running attack has not been as dominant uh, as they have been. Um, and, you know, when, when uh, their offensive line coach, Schlarman, unfortunately passed away um, last year, um, he was one of the best 
uh, in all of college football in terms of coaching the offensive line. And, uh, you know, you can have a lot of momentum and you can have a lot of good things going on, but at some point you start to miss that voice. And I don't know if it's the fact that, you know, this new offensive line coach that they brought in, if he's just not as um, – not as good or you know it's just one of those things where Kentucky is starting to come back down because you know Kentucky has never been able to just just plug and play linemen of SEC caliber just year in and year out but for the for a couple of years there they were absolutely dominant you start to see some cracks in the armor this year I've seen uh, teams like South Carolina uh, teams like Chattanooga um, you know definitely Mississippi State go out there and stuff that UK running attack they haven't been able to just ball control uh, and just run clock the way Mark Stoop likes to uh, Haven and and I think that's been one of the reasons why Kentucky um, has still struggled to kind of get over that hump where they it seems to me they, they took advantage of a couple of 50-50 games and won them, but they were all very competitive, don't you think? They were pretty competitive, but I, to me, I, I think Kentucky fell in, fell in love too much with Will Levis. I think after those first two games when he was like lighting people up, they kind of fell in love with his arm talent, and, and now they thought, you know what, now we have the balance we've always wanted. But come midseason, they found out, well, actually, no, we really don't have the balance we always wanted. We still need to lean on a running game heavily. Uh, but he's still trying to feature Will Levis. And the games like Kentucky's really struggled in is when Will Levis has struggled as a quarterback himself. Uh, the other issues they have, and the big issue, is that you know Chris Rodriguez is a, an awesome running back. Awesome speed, power, he has it all. Toughness, grit, but he fumbles. Yeah. I mean, this guy has a, he has a fumbling issue. He's like fumble like, literally like once per game. You know, he loses a fumble. So, you know, that's really hampered Kentucky's offense, especially when you have Will Levis throwing interceptions. And then, you know, then, then you have him, you know, fumbling the ball, like all over the place. You know, it, it's really hurt them, especially against Mississippi State. They had like four turnovers, and it killed them. Well, it, just, it just killed them. And that's the interesting thing about this matchup because you have strength on strength. We know Kentucky wants to run the ball, and Louisville is best at stopping the run. So you kind of have the unstoppable force versus the immovable object because, you know, you have the two strengths going head-to-head, so we're going to see who's real in that matchup because both teams are going to be playing towards their strengths in that matchup, and I think that's probably the most intriguing thing. I mean, you know, give Syracuse – people want to talk about Syracuse sucks and Syracuse is terrible, but at the end of the day, both Syracuse and Duke both had, you know, 1,000-yard-plus running backs, uh, you know, a couple of the best running backs in the ACC, and Louisville just didn't give them nothing. In either case, you know that the, there was a, the, they were teams that wanted to come in and run the ball and control it, um, and the Louisville defense said no. If, if you're going to get anything, it's going to be passing the ball, and they weren't even able to do that, uh, you know, that effectively. And I think that's probably the most interesting thing, um, beside the fact that they've continued to be so stout against the run, even without Monty Montgomery and, and with him being out, but with Trey Clark being out and not having that lockdown corner out there, the fact that Chandler Jones and Greedy Vance uh, and Trey Franklin have continued uh, to lead in that secondary. That's what gets me excited for the future is that, that this this Louisville team is leaning on guys, uh, the younger guys, the the other guys, um, if you will. You know, when you lose your top two stars, uh, you know, you're one guy who's great against the run uh, and just very aggressive, a team leader, and then your 
you know, potential day one talent in Trey Clark in the secondary, when you can lose your two guys, lose them in two completely different parts of the defense and still look this good defensively, that's got to get you excited for the future. Well, it, it, it does. And one of the other things about it, this has been what we always wanted to see because once you get your offense going and you can put up points, like we put up 35 points in the first half against Syracuse, we put up 35 points in the first half against Duke. And, and what that does is, like when Bobby was here, is that once you get behind, then you have to throw the ball. And Syracuse has a great running attack. Quarterback is trash. And their receivers are trash. I mean, their passing attack is garbage. Duke's passing attack is also garbage. So once you force them out of the comfort zone, they're pretty much done. And like Duke, for watching that Duke game, those guys gave up like in the second quarter. They was like, yeah, it's, it's a wrap. Yeah, that, that, that's one thing. That team, yeah. you want to talk about a team that just – that looks almost like Bobby 2.0 last it year. It did because they just gave up. They was like, no, nah, hey, bro, it's not happening. I mean, I'm, I'm not what, what, do you, now. <laughs> what do you expect out of players when their coach is kicking field goals down tw- three scores? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that, that was mind-boggling to me. Just They're really going to line up and kick it? They're going to go for three here? There you are. But Forgive me if know. I say it. I mean, he he dare went Mark Stoops. I don't care if I beat Georgia, but I'm just going to have a 15 minute, you know, 35 play drive <laughs> and kick the field goal so yeah. I can cover the spread. Like that, I feel like that was David Cutcliffe in the second quarter of that game on on Thursday night. I mean, but but that's Duke. That's what Duke has done all year. They rack up yards, and he can't punch it in. And that's exactly what happened against U of L. They racked up yards. They can move the ball a little bit, you know, between the 20s, and they can't punch it in. So you have to sell for field goals. That's, that's been Duke's MO all year. And once they got down by so many points and not having a credible quarterback and not having a, a, a credible wide receivers to throw to, it, it was over. Same thing with Syracuse. You know, one, once they got down and they couldn't just rely just purely on running the ball, they have nothing else. Like, that's their offense, and they have, like, nothing else left. And once you put up that many points and the defense can't slow you down, it's over. So, fellas, as we head towards, uh, you know, the end of this first hour, I just want to ask both of you guys, and if, if you want to get involved, uh, 502-414-1450, the Thorns text line, feel, feel free um, to give us your text. I appreciate the earlier text as well. If you want to give us a call, 384-1450, um, and you can give us a call uh, on the uh, call line as well. Um, I want to know uh, – how are you guys feeling about the game? Like, well, we're going to have the full breakdown. We're going to go in-depth uh, with Governor's Cup coverage next Saturday morning. But just kind of your early feelings about it. I just want to ha- know how both of you guys are feeling about the matchup uh, heading into uh, next Saturday. Well, uh, shout-out to Frankfurt's finest, uh, Mr. Wandale. Don't let him beat us. You know, I I think when you watch Kentucky struggle offensively, well, when you watch them when they look successful, it's because Wandale's blowing the top off the coverage. He he gives them so much when teams don't respect him, or they or they just lose track of him on on that deep route. It's very similar to the way we used Tutu uh, a year ago, but he's he really is the linchpin in that offense, especially if they're if they're turning the ball over, if they're having fumble issues not really getting it going on the ground. That's how, that's what I look towards. I think we're going to give up yardage. This won't be like Syracuse and, and Duke where we shut down. You see this defense shut down 1,000-yard running. I think they're going to get theirs, 
but we need to get a couple fumbles, and, and most importantly, we need to recover those fumbles. Make Will Levis beat us, and making beat us with somebody other than Mondale. Hey, Barrington. I'm going to keep it simple. Louisville will win this game, will easily win this game, if they can match hate for hate. Because mm. you know Kentucky is going to come amped up, L's down, ready to play. They're going to be excited, and they're going to want to, you know, just destroy us like they did the last time. Because the last time we played in the, in the first game of Scott Satterfield's uh, rivalry career, he was woefully unprepared for, I think, the level of animosity, for the level of energy, and, you know, for that level of, of hatred that Kentucky has for UofL. Can he match it? If he can match it or come close to matching it, I believe Louisville will win. But he has to match it. And, and that's the big question. Can Ned Flanders take off his chest and show us the muscle bound Ned Flanders? Or is Chief Wiggum and his posse going to do it? Hey, that is one hour in the books, fellas. <laughs> Chief Wiggum, that is so funny. Uh, it's a, it's going to be all about me. the good, the bad, and the ugly, man. It's, it's going down the Governor's Cup game, Cardinal Stadium, next Saturday. Wake up 502, and we'll be back on Big X Radio. Our number two of Wake Up 502 is going down here in the Derby City. Rashawn Myers, Haven Harrington, Joe Kelly at That Boy's Good taking care of you. And make sure you guys check out all the good things that we do. Go out, check out our brand new website, wakeup502.com. For all things Wake Up 502, uh, all things, we have podcasts there, um, everything that's going on good with the show. You can also check out um, our uh, the uh, Legacy website, if you will, um, where you can find out all the good things going on with the Main Event Sports Show at maineventsports101.com as well. Uh, You can become a patron. Uh, You can do so many good things and connect with us in so many different ways. Um, and just want to appreciate everybody uh, who's tuned in and chimed in, all your likes, all your re- retweets, all your comments and commentary. Um, if you want to get involved, please do 502-414-1450 uh, on the Thorns text line. You can also give us a call. 502-384-1450 is the call-in line. Uh, fellas, you know, I, the, the one thing that I wanted to get to, I know that we're going to start to turn and talk about some of the things going on on the hardwood uh, with Louisville basketball. Um, but I did want to touch on one thing, and one thing that I've heard a lot of, um, and that's kind of been the narrative uh, since before midseason, truthfully, with the football team, is that we've heard time and time again that, man, you know, Louisville's going to be playing at home, but – Kentucky fans are just going to fill up the whole stadium. There's going to be more Kentucky fans than Louisville fans at that game. 
I'm going to say two things about that, and then I want your thoughts on it. First of all, Kentucky fans aren't even filling up Commonwealth Stadium this year. Even with as good as they've been, they aren't even going to their own home games. So why on God's green earth would they all of a sudden decide that they're going to fill up somebody else's stadium? Uh, That's my question. So, like, A, first of all, I don't feel the momentum and the excitement around Kentucky football right now with the way they've played down the last several weeks. But secondly, they're not even going to their own home game. So do you feel like that's a bit of hyperbole, Haven? I will say this. If you're worried about Kentucky fans coming in and filling up Cardinal Stadium, then what you need to do is simple. Go to www.wakeup502.com, click on a link, and buy tickets to the game. I like it. Because we have a link on there. (laughs) We can get a discount on tickets to the game. So go to wakeup502.com, click on a link, get your tickets now. God, you're like a radio pro. And fill it up. That's what you need to do. (laughs) And number one, don't ever underestimate the hatred Kentucky has for Louisville and the rivalry. They may suck. But they will still want to come down there and watch. And if, if they have, a, if they think they can pound Louisville in the dirt, they will show up to pound Louisville in the dirt. I mean, come on, this is the same fan base that shows up to all our bowl games just to watch us lose. Yeah, every I was bowl about game, to say, man. You get you get twenty five UK fans at the Louisville Syracuse game just because they've never been to a football game. You can drink alcohol at, so. I mean, they'll they'll show out for that game. I don't know that it's going to be more than half. And also, while we're plugging the website, be on the lookout this week. We'll uh, we'll put a link up on both of them. But uh, I will be sharing with everyone a smoked turkey recipe for the holidays. Oh boy! My apologies for not getting it. My apologies for not getting it up sooner. I'm going to tell you all the God's honest truth. It being the first post that I'll be making for the site. You know, you you want to set a standard, right? You know, this is this is how I write. People get used to it. Guys, this turkey recipe is so simple that it looks like I'm just mailing it in. <laughs> I'm we're dumbing it down. It's gonna be two different styles. Traditional turkey, and then I'm I'm gonna hook everybody up with a recipe for some Cajun turkey. Ooh. Mm. My man. Yeah. 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 So be on the lookout this week. Main event sports got you covered to have the best turkey on the block. Joe Kelly, the czar of the barbecue grill. I'm telling you, like y'all don't know, he has like a he has like a crown and a scepter, and he wears those while he's on the barbecue grill. Like y'all don't understand this. Yeah, for those who don't know, it's really the only reason uh, these guys let me hang out. So you know, you gotta (laughs) gotta have something to bring to the table, and if the grid falls, man, y'all kill it and I'll grill it. No, Joe. When I saw with that crown royal bag, I knew you were (laughs) fat. The, the crown royal bag full of barbecue accoutrement, right? That's, like, that's, that's all it took. I was like, <laughs> this dude's real about his craft. Wow. <laughs> and you know what? That's commentary that you will only find on Wake Up 502. <laughs> and that's why you love us, people. That is why you love us. And that's why, uh, you know, we have this opportunity to bring our style to the airwaves every Saturday morning. Um, but, no, I, but, I, like, seriously, like, I, this is the thing that, that I uh, hope for. I hope for a great game. I feel like Haven said, you know, this is kind of like the loser leaves town match because one team is going to be dubbed real and the other team is going to be dubbed the loser. 
<laughs> oh, and, and they will be. I mean, this, this is like both these teams would have beat up on inferior competition, would have looked the best they've looked all season long coming into this game, and now you're going to find out, was it real? Was it live? If, you, if you're old enough to remember this, was it live or was it Memorex? <laughs> For real? Yeah. <laughs> Like, like legit, yeah. like, like Kentucky could literally, the Kentucky fans could literally come out of this game, finish with an eight-win season, and hate the season that they had. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, which for mm-hmm. Stoops is saying a lot. That's college crazy. That, that, that means you've changed college. the culture. You've changed the culture of Kentucky now when they're disappointed winning eight wins. You can, now, now you completely change the culture of Kentucky football, which is amazing. I'm telling you, college football is one of the cruelest hobbies a, a person can take on. Because it, it's just that simple, man. Yes, you can be the University of Kentucky with eight wins and still look at it and go, but Joe's got a point. Who'd we actually beat? <laughs> you know? I mean, that's that's life as a have-not in college football. Oh, I mean, it's hard. What's even worse is, like, both Louisville and Kentucky were, have been in the same spots. Like, Kentucky, for a brief second, was mentioned as a possible playoff contender. And you get so excited and so drunk off that. Like in 2000, was it 16, when we were mentioned after we beat Clemson? Even, even that loss to Clemson, yeah. we were like, this, these guys could still maybe sneak in. Louisville was still fifth yeah. in the bowl projections after losing to Clemson. Louisville could still sneak in, maybe, and, and claim another spot. And, and that was the hype. And it's like it's intoxicating. Everybody's talking about you. Everybody's showing replays of everything that you do, and you just get so hyped up. And then you realize, you know what, at, at the end of the day, there's really only about four teams that really have a legitimate chance of the national championship. Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, most years, Ohio State. And Phil, and the alternate is Oklahoma. Yeah, and o- then Oklahoma. Anytime, yeah. anytime that, and, and then any they give the committee any excuse to vote them in, Notre Dame's in, in the combo. Yeah, and that's it, and that's it, and, and, yep. and that's, that's what you're looking at. Now, maybe once the playoffs open up, it'll be a different story. You may see some uh, dark horse teams kind of slide on through, but until then, yeah, that's it. I mean, that's that's your college football royalty, and it's almost impossible to break through. So am, am I in the minority here that I – it's not that I don't hate them. I, I will – fire up the rivalry machine as soon as we get back and put them back on the schedule. But I kind of, you know, my heart bleeds a little bit for Cincinnati. So am I the only one out of the three of us that wants them to just go full on damage plan and screw this thing up for college football, like make the playoff, hell, get an upset in that first round too. Are you all, are you all pulling for the non power five team? Or are you all still like, nah, man, keg and nails, screw them. No, I'm, I'm pulling for the natty. Go, Natty, go. Go, okay. Bearcats, go. Because I remember what that felt like being that team yes. that was one win away from possibly playing in a national championship if Will Gay didn't go offsides mm-hmm. on that field goal at Rutgers. And we lose to Rutgers. If it wasn't yeah. for that, we probably would have been a national championship. We may have had like a really good chance of being Ohio State. And so I'm always like rooting for the little guy because I'm a little guy myself. So, go Cincinnati, go. Chaos and mayhem. Co-Rocker Party to the AM. Well, well let me say this. Okay, yeah, Cincinnati is the underdog. They have Desmond Ritter at quarterback, you know, St. X boy. Uh, you know, so you got homegrown roots. You have a chance to upset the apple cart and to th- shove it in the face of all these 
uh, staunch old man, blue hair, college football people. Um, they're right outside sitting at number five. Um, you know, there's such a groundswell of support for Cincinnati. And I just want to say, I don't care. I cannot stand Cincinnati. I don't like the little pompous fans. I don't like their little stupid cheers. Their little ho, 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 you, you, ooh, you see. I hate Cincinnati. I don't like Cincinnati. I don't like the stupid faces. I don't like anything that has to do with the Bearcats. I've never liked them. I still don't like Danny Fortson. I still don't like Kenya Martin. I don't like anything that comes out of Cincinnati. Cincinnati can kick rocks. You're just mad. Because Cincinnati's basketball team used to scare you. I hate Bob when, Huggins. When Bobby Huggins was there, and he had Ooh. the scariest-looking basketball team in the history of college Eric basketball. Hicks. They're you know all, what I'm saying? They're all 6'5". They all came from the hood, and they could all ball. I hate Cincinnati, yeah. fellas. I can't do it. Like I can't, oh. I've tried to, fellas. I've tried to be like, you know what? Good for them. Good for them. Go ahead, fellas. You know, upset the apple cart. Let's do it. You're, I can't do it. You're just mad because the stadium's nice. I, I hate Cincinnati. You're mad because the, the campus is hey. nicer. Oh. Which it is. Man, I will I will go out on a limb here and say that the funny thing about the Bob Huggins era of, of Cincinnati basketball, it was the only time that people could use, like old gray hairs and old blue hairs, could use terminology that if you said about any other team, you'd be like, oh, that's Cody. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, true. But with Cincinnati, you had to just sit there and be like, mm, that's who they are. <laughs> you could, you might be onto something. Hey. Like, God, those teams were scary, man. That team with Kenya Martin, DeMar Johnson, Phil Williams, Ed Logan, uh, Logan, like the, <laughs> those teams, like I and and it's not just about the Cincinnati basketball. Like Derek Wolf and those guys, I remember them coming down to Cardinal Stadium and kicking Louisville's ass. Just kicking Louisville up and down the field, laughing at them when Steve Cragthorpe was here, and they're just like, just and just having the, the most wonderful time. And I, I cannot do it, fellas. I can't, I can't cheer for Cincinnati. Like I can't, can I can't you, do it. Can you remember who the defensive end for Cincinnati was that got drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles? He had a pretty decent little little run there for like a three year stint in the NFL, where I think he might have had like somewhere between eight, twelve sacks in the season. Trent something. I'll oh look this yes. up, man. He wore red. He wore red contact lenses. Really? And I remember all the dudes coming back from the from the combine, and he had a mohawk. If y'all remember that? Yeah. He was a brother with a with a with red eyeballs and a mohawk. And I remember Elvis and a couple other guys that, that were working out with him at the Combine said he's the weirdest cat they ever met. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was telling them while they were standing in line to do the bench press. He was like, I don't even really know if I want to do this whole football thing. I'm trying to play my punk rock band and draw comic books. And everybody there just kind of stopped. They were like, man, it was the weirdest. Okay, that came out of left field unprovoked. <laughs> that's what I think of when when I think of Cincinnati football uh, prior to this season. Like I, I just I think I think back really. to them, man. Like like 
when back before Louisville got really stringent on the um, you know keeping media that has press box credentials up in the press box, and you could actually stand on the sidelines because hey, you know we we love to be on the sidelines watch watching the games. The uh, you know, so you could just be close to the action and you could hear the interactions. It's just so much better when you're down there on the field. I used to stay at that 20 mm-hmm. yard line uh, on the home side near the uh, the open end of the stadium when it was open, um, but. Those games, when I would just listen to how the Cincinnati players would just talk bad to Louisville and just, you know, like I said, Derek Wolf, man, that dude right there, he's a different type level. Like, and, and you know, he's, of course, with the Baltimore Ravens now. He's been injured uh, offseason. But that's one of the nastiest, meanest, aggressive dudes um, mm-hmm. and, and those guys used to just revel. Like I remember them trying to take dirty shots on uh, on Teddy Bridgewater, and I just remember like the, that rivalry is still in me. Um, and, and I cannot like I laughed when Louisville got into the ACC and they were left holding the bag, nowhere to go, no home. And you know I, I'm proud of the fact that they're you know they're going to get their little opportunity to go into the the, the second string. Terrible Big Twelve, you know whatever that thing is gonna be. Conference USA Plus. Yeah, good, good, good for them. But yeah, I can't. I just can't do it. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like I, I can't do. Like, like it's nice if they do. Great. That's gonna piss off a bunch of 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 old staunch, uh, you know, football anything people. Anything that upsets Notre Dame, anything that upsets Notre Dame or Ohio State fans or people that still subscribe to print copies of Golf Digest, I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll hold my nose and be okay with it, just because those guys will be upset. Like that's probably exactly. about that's probably about all I have in terms of support for Cincinnati. So like I'll at least enjoy watching everybody. I still won't like the fact that Cincinnati's there. Des Ritter, you know, I, I I appreciate you, um, you know, making something out of yourself when nobody around here, you know, really you looked at you and give you a chance, and you had to go out there and basically sell yourself to Cincinnati and send tape and everything else. But you know what? I still don't like the Bearcats. We still, yeah. I think I think we were the last team to win the keg and nail, so we still got the keg and nail. We are so someplace. Yeah, stick that turkey in your grill and smoke it. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> you are listening to Wake Up Five Hundred Two. Rashawn Haven Joe bringing it to you. We still got a little bit of time left if you want to get in. Five zero two four one four fourteen fifty, or give us a call three eight four fourteen fifty on the call in line as well. We'll be back on Wake Up Five Hundred Two Big X Radio. Welcome back in to Wake Up 502, Rashawn Myers, Haven Harrington, coming to you for another 30 minutes along with Joe Kelly at That Boy's Good, the czar of the barbecue grill. And you know what, fellas? 
We're going to talk a little basketball. We're going to talk about this University of Louisville basketball about team. Time. Hey, <laughs> no, you got your nerve. You know about how weak the Lakers are. Let's go everything. <laughs> oh, God. You know what? How bad KD I'm so is. glad you said the Lakers. We're going to talk about Louisville in just a second. But let me just. How weak Kevin Durant is. He came and carried his own team. He has a super team. Is floundering. What? What? It's supposed to be greatness. Yeah. People say supposed to be better than LeBron James. And what do you got? You got a super team and you suck. Come on, KD. You never be as good as LeBron James. Stop it. It's never going to happen. Grow your hairline back and retire. It's over for you. Yeah, like that's a wrap. You really can't really talk smack about how great LeBron is right now with what the Lakers are doing. He's hurt. Like he hasn't played. Him. No, he definitely played last night against the Celtics without Jalen Brown and got busted by thirty. You know so. what? <laughs> LeBron's Man. old. It's, it's over for him. That's okay. But it's over for KD too. <laughs> and you said you're prime KD and you're horrible. He's, horrible. Hey, leave KD alone. He's leading the NBA in scoring right now. Yeah, and, the, and the team sucks. Well, what what does it matter? True. That's you, fair. You can lead the NBA team in scoring, defense, everything else, but the team still sucks. If you can't grab, if you can't take over the finish line, it doesn't matter. As a former Lakers supporter, I, I, but a supreme LeBron hater, I cannot stand LeBron. Like I never have. I just I, all the 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 hype and all the want and push to try to talk about this dude being the greatest ever. Um, Jordan's never had seasons like LeBron has had multiple times over the second half of his LeBron career. LeBron is the greatest of his generation, and I, I think that's fair. As of now. Uh, uh, no, of his generation, he he was the greatest basketball player well, of his he, generation. Well, I mean, his generation is still on the court, so we'll see. We'll see. Just pump your brakes on that. Who's better than LeBron James? I right mean, now? In, in, in in his generation, when he was playing, Wardell is on the come up. Like if Wardell keeps doing what he's doing right now, Wardell, Stephen Curry may be able to stake some claim with the, with like he's a dark horse coming up from the back, but. Like right now, what that man is doing, you know, I'm gonna say he's this. putting the cape on no, right I'm now, gonna bro. I'm going to say this, honestly, and I, and I know how much you hate LeBron James. I'm going to throw it out there anyway. Fast forward back about four or five years. If LeBron was right now with the Nets and this Nets team, would they be a better team with LeBron playing or with KD playing? Oh, no, definitely KD. You think so? Absolutely. I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. I, no. Yeah. Kevin Durant's the best player in the world, bro. Like he, he's like doing crazy. he's doing everything. Like and they're he's still at, losing. Okay, but that's not really on him. That's it just, is on him. That's no, his team. No, that's I mean, his team. That's his super no, team. No, that's that's not no, on him. That's his no, super look, team. I, I'm gonna tell you why. You got well, teammates better. Let, let you me got tell you why. Hold on. Finish line. No, let me tell if you why. If LeBron could take those bums in Cleveland and drag those guys to the finals. And they were bums. I, he had a third of the talent that KD uh, has now. You're speaking of his first time around? Any time around. He <laughs> has on. less talent Come on, than, bro. What, he had, than he what the had, Nets have now. He had Kyrie and Kevin Love when they won the championship. Oh, this guy's Harden and Kyrie. Uh, no, actually, he doesn't have Kyrie, and that was going to be my point. Kyrie Irving has been sitting on the sidelines. But he still has a, he still has a great Mr. team. Mr. I don't want to take my vaccine. But he still has a great team. And he still got Harden. I mean, let's, let, let, let's pump the brakes even, on. No, talk about, let, let even me him and Harden well, even Oklahoma hold, State, hold they still couldn't drag themselves across the finish line. Uh, hold on. KD can't do but, it by himself. He's not a guy to lead the team and take it to the promised land. The, he can't do it. The problem that the Nets have right now is the fact that when you have three max contract dudes on your team, you're not going to be able to fill your team with a lot of other pieces. So when you have three guys taking up that much of your salary cap and then one of those three guys isn't playing, like that's the problem is that, yes, KD is awesome. Whoa, 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 whoa. Pump your brakes again. Don't you give LeBron that, why don't you give LeBron that, that credit? Uh, you're talking about with the three max players? Say, 
Yeah. Well, but LeBron had all three of those guys playing. My point being is that KD, yes, there's three max players on the Nets team, but only two of the three are playing because Kyrie is sitting out. And, you know, and and that's my that's my but thing the week, with the East reason. Takes me more than enough. The East is definitely the better conference gonna, this year. Like, oh, well, I mean, are you sure? Absolutely. Are you sure about that? Absolutely. You know this what? year, I think the Warriors. I think the Jazz may have something to say about that. Uh, you know, I mean, Chicago, the, the Chicago Bulls, the 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 uh, uh, Milwaukee Bucks, the, bu- um, the, the, Bucks the Miami like Heat, a, a, a um, the Philadelphia 76ers. Hey, no I think the East is better. In the regular season. And you the New no York Knicks. Knicks during the regular season. I think the East is better than the West this year. Like, like literally. Um, you know, if you watch it, what these teams are doing, yeah, the, the Golden State Warriors are really the only team, and the Jazz are have been okay. But right now, the West is floundering right now. Like, it, like classically, yes, the West has been better. Um, but as a guy who watches, you know, I have the NBA ticket, and I watch these games every night. Right now, the East, the, the, the Chicago Bulls oh, are out, real. Yes, we didn't even – we haven't even – Absolutely. We haven't even mentioned Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta, I, I, legit. Atlanta's got two two lineups. And you know what? The Orlando okay. Magic, the Orlando Magic are on the come up too. Like people aren't paying attention, but like like uh, Cole Anthony, Mo Bamba, like they're, they're doing some stuff yeah. down there. Like like it, like the East is loaded this year. Like it, it's it's flip flopped. Like right now, the Western uh, is, is like the uh, what do they call it the, on the Senior PGA? They're kind of like the Senior Tour <laughs> over on the West yeah. side. You know, like all the youth and energy and athleticism is in the East right now. I'm just gonna say this: If everybody was trying to say that K. Is better than LeBron. He will never be better than LeBron James. My, my point being ever. is just just pump your pump ever, your brakes on ever, ever. on the on the KD slander. Like KD's no. doing everything he can, but no, right no, now no. they when, need. When like was the, the last time KD is taking a team, his team, not somebody else's team, but his team to the promised land. I He's mean, never done it. I mean, never done it. With the Warriors, that wasn't the his Warriors team. The Warriors were his team. No, Absolutely. That was not yeah, KD's team. team. That was yeah. Steph's team. K- KD was the best player nah, every no, year that he was there. That's Steph's team. Who was Steph's the finals MVP? Haven, every year he was there. Who was the finals MVP? That's Steph's team. Thank you. Steph's Thank team, you. baby. Thank you. Steph's team. I'm not, you know what? And now he got his own team. We he's got his <laughs> own man. He's the captain of the ship. It's all on him. Come on, He bro. can't do it. You sound ridiculous. He can't do it. You got to have Kyrie. Kyrie's got to be there. Kyrie not being there. James Harden is fat. Now he's a James Harden has morphed into world be free. I don't know what happened with half the heart. Like he's he, hey, he's got man alone. Like I don't know. Y'all, what are, y'all not gonna. Hey man, I'm not gonna just sit here and allow y'all to slander <laughs> portly portly left handed guys with beards. All right, that's what's not gonna happen. James man. Harden, my my brother from another man. Like he's he's left handed. Got a big beard, and he's known to mail it in from time to time. He's That's Melvin me, Turpin. baby. <laughs> Dinner bell mail. You know, he's trying to Melvin Turpin. Like I mean, you know, like I, like I just I can't I can't get on the net. like until Kyrie gets there. Like it's just they're playing with one arm with arm one arm tied behind their back. Like li- literally, like Kyrie has always been about himself, and, and I agree with Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith said, "You know what? You were betrayed." By Kyrie Irving, you you drop the ball on trusting in this dude to help you win, <laughs> and you and at the end about. of the day, Stephen A's right. But you knew what he was about before he got him. I mean, but you know, the, the, what, it's it's rough. Hey, if I was trying to if I was trying to troll and just make a hot take and get people arguing just because I'm bored on Twitter, I would say that uh, KD doesn't have the uh, the acumen that LeBron does because when he built the super team, he picked the dude who hangs out eating chicken wings at a strip club and the other guy who thinks the world's flat. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, 
So I mean, he he don't he can't pick them like LeBron did. That's fair. LeBron knows to get a steady Eddie like Chris Bosh and Kevin Love in the mix. You know that dude. You don't have to worry about. Can't have two guys. You got to worry about. You can only have one. No, no. See, Joe, if you really wanted to stir the pot on Twitter, what you really would have said was, "I'm excited that Tom Jurich is in the conversation <laughs> to be the AD at the University of Miami." Oh, uh, yes, sir. Because that would really With stir Lane the pot. Lane Kiffin and Rick Pitino. With Lane Kiffin and Rick Pitino. Tommy Turtleneck. Uh, uh, you know, maybe Mario Cristobal. I mean, you just don't know. Hey, you know what? Hey, man. I would fully support it. But you know what? But those personalities, if you can get Rick Ooh, in Miami? and Lane Kiffin in Miami together, <laughs> oh, my mm. Lord, the press conferences will write themselves. Hey. I, I'm interested I'm interested to see what sort of uh, real appeal Tom gets or if he's just a name that forever will get tossed out there because people know that that name will move the needle. Because I'm truly curious. I know that we're biased here. The people are either like, you know, screw him. He couldn't have got out of here quick enough. He screwed us over. Most people are like, we wouldn't be where we are without time. They recognize they didn't want to know how the sausage was made. But nationally, man, Louisville's rep, it's still bad. No, and Joe, I agree with you. I I agree with you on that. But, like, let me tell you something. The two things, like, I'll – Tom Jurich, if he wants another job, is going to get another job, and it's going to. And I've always felt like it's going to come in one of two places: either in the SEC or from a school in Texas. Reason why they don't give a damn about perception; they don't Money. care about reputation. They all they care about is winning. Yeah, they could care less about what you <laughs> right. so, murder. Hey, we don't care. They don't care. Rape, it's all good. Look at Baylor. Rape. Eh, and can, can, can you get these ball teams together? Yeah, that's all they care about. So, like, yeah, that, that's the way I, I, I fully like going to Miami. That's perfect. Like, it's the perfect place for them. Well, to me, you know, maybe not because Miami, like, reputation wise, yes, but Miami's trying, always trying to, they're, they're always trying to sanitize their image and get away from that bad boy image, which I don't know why. Yeah, what, well, that was before they started you. sucking, and now they're not making any money anymore. Yeah. They're like, oh god, what's happening? What made you to you was <laughs> going to the hood, bringing all those gold teeth. Guys with their dreadlocks in Miami from the bottom, bring them to your school and winning games and beating people down and being ruthless. So, so let me just say this: like, if Tom gets the job, you are. If Tom gets the job, I, you know, that, that'd be cool. Um, you know, it, like, I'm not, I'm not going to become a Miami fan. You know, if, if Rick goes down, like, I'm not, I'm not taking it to that level. But you know, like, good for him. Like, Tom should never been fired. Uh, we all understand that that was, but bull. Like, Rick Pitino definitely deserved to get fired because he was stupid. Okay, but Tom got pulled into that just because uh, the powers that be decided that they were going to figure out a way to attach him to everything that was going on with Rick. Well, that he refused to fire you with know. Martino. So, I mean. That wasn't help either. It, it is what it is. Um, but, I mean, he, he's the, he was the best AD in the country. So, if he gets another job, good for him if he wants it. You know, so if he goes down to Miami, enjoy your retirement, big buddy. Uh, you you good, deserved it. Good for the Man, good for the fan base and the alumni if he gets another job because y'all are going to be competitive across the board in a decade. I agree. Before that man retires, you will be you will be competitive in everything, or you will go down swinging in an attempt to be competitive, and he'll have the deck stacked for the next guy that inherits his job. Yeah, yeah. So, I think that's I think that's a big reason why there's been so much you know pressure on Vince and and people second guess stuff because man, the deck was stacked in your favor. Yeah. Oh, it definitely was. Yeah. But but it's hard to, like, with college programs, it's it's almost easy in a way to kind of build your way up 
than to maintain what you already have. And that's the hard part is, sure. is, is maintaining what's been built. That is infinitely more difficult than selling somebody like a dream that we can do this, we can grow to this, we can be this one day, and then start doing it. But now once you're there, then maintaining it and trying to get to that next level is, is supremely more difficult. Yeah, so I mean, you you take a team like that. Like I always thought, the time would probably end up in like Texas, like because Texas has they that yeah, and they've been struggling and they've been trying to get it together. Like I figured that he would have ended up somewhere like that. Um, but we'll I, see, yeah. I I could definitely see it, um, and I think that that's the guy that Miami should hire. And if they do, um, they're gonna get somebody um, who's good for his job. But like I'm not gonna be capping for for Tom Jerry. We know, like, like Miami's my second favorite. Like team, I I, so I, I don't I'm like excited. Miami. I'm Man. still not gonna cheer for Miami. I'm still not going to like I, I don't give I don't I don't cheer for the Iona Gales. I don't care what Rick Patino's doing there. Good for Quinn Slazinski getting up there and finding a spot for him. Congratulations on being four and I'm still not a fan. Like, like I'm I'm not like I'm Louisville supporter. Mm-hmm. I support the University of Louisville. I give a damn about the University of Louisville. I don't care about nobody else. Just like I don't care about Cincinnati. I don't like them. I'm not cheering for anybody else. If it don't if it ain't red and black, it don't matter to me. Well Cincinnati is red and black. So you know what? <laughs> Louisville's the real red and black. Okay, Cincinnati is like that that Walmart red and black. I just want to throw out. They're like the Walmart version. They like that that Dollar General version of red and black. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, bro. They're they're the they're the three leaders. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. They're the uh, the Czech Cola version of of, Ooh, of, of athletic department. So you know, please, please. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? We gotta go ahead and hit this last uh, break before we uh, get out. Man, it's almost eleven o'clock already. I swear we don't ever have enough time, fellas. But when we get back, I I, I was a little emotional last week talking about the job that was being done. Um, you know by just everybody involved with Louisville basketball. Um, but we're going to talk about where they're at. Detroit Mercy, 2 o'clock p.m. here at the uh, KFC Yum Center. Uh, we're going to see what we've learned, if Mike Peaks has gotten it together. Uh, we'll talk about that and a little bit more. Wake Up 502, Rashawn Myers, Haven Harrington, Joe Kelly, and we're coming back for one more segment. We're out of here. And welcome back in to Wake Up 502 is going down. Last segment of the show here. Rashawn Myers, Haven Harrington, Joe Kelly uh, trying to bring you a little bit of good grooving, a little bit of uh, aggressiveness to your Saturday morning as you get ready for your Saturday sports day. Uh, And, fellas, uh, we got one more segment left. I did want to touch on um, just a little bit with Cardinal basketball. Um, Of course, uh, we are down to T-minus three games left uh, in this suspension of one Mr. Christopher Mack uh, as Louisville gets ready to take on Detroit Mercy uh, this afternoon, 2 o'clock in the KFC Yum Center. Um, I had issue um, with Mike Peaks and some of the things that he did last week en route to a loss uh, versus Furman uh, the, a week ago Friday. Um, I, I thought that 
um, Coach Peaks did not get put his best foot forward. And, and I've listened, uh, you know, it, it, for those that don't know, like I, I love sports radio. OK, so I listen to sports radio um all over the market, and I like to hear uh, what fans have to say about what's going on. Um, you know, with with the teams, I like to hear those different perspectives from both the fans as well as from uh, other radio journalists. Uh, like, like I love hearing the the opinions. So I, I've been listening all week, and one thing that I feel like folks have really, you know, they've talked about, um, but in my opinion, not enough, and, and, and that's kind of the situation that's going on with with coach pigs and malik williams like i don't know what's going on with with malik right now but malik ain't healthy he's dragging that leg around um he's not moving well and for some reason this man is just getting thrown out there um played 33 minutes against Furman uh and was basically targeted as the guy to attack on defense um, gave up several baskets going to you know going to the rim. Uh, got put in the pick and roll game, uh, and Furman was able to exploit that to get layups. Um, we saw the same thing play out against Navy on Monday, um, where you know Malik instead of being the the anchor of that defense, he was the weak link of the defense. Um, you know you look at Louisville, the fact that they've had rebounding issues. Um, I feel like Malik has a lot to do with that. The fact that Jalen uh, Jalen Withers wants to be a point guard apparently and, and stay out on the perimeter and shoot threes. Jalen's not rebounding. Malik is not getting. You know, you talk about getting the, the guys that get the out of area rebounds are like your great rebounders. Malik's not even getting the in area rebounds right now because the man can't jump. He's basically trying to stand on his tippy toes and tip the ball to himself. Um, he's not looked good. And, you know, I asked Coach Peaks about, you know, about the big men and the rotations, the reason Sid Curry and some of the other guys have been playing. And he basically said, um, you know what, these guys aren't showing me enough. What the hell is Malik? You can't tell me that Malik Williams in practice is showing so much better if he looks like he's just dragging around one leg on the court in games. Like, I, I – I, Fail to see see the the, the the connection there, but Haven, I, I think the thing that I worry about, you're riding this man real hard in early season games. Even if Louisville was to drop a game or two early, this is not college football. Teams don't go undefeated. Like the biggest thing is, you know, the reason that, that you want Malik Williams here is for his experience, his defensive toughness, and what he's gonna give you in February and March. And my Biggest concern with Louisville right now, Louisville basketball, and what Coach Peaks is doing even before Coach Mack can get back, he's going to get Malik hurt before we ever get to March or February. Uh, like, like, what, what do you think about that? Like, do you think that he's healthy? What has he shown you? Um, you know, and, and how do you think? Do you think that he's being handled properly by um, Coach Peaks and the assistant staff right now? No, I mean, it, no. I mean, just no. I mean, Malik has never been healthy. I mean, you have to know his his injury history. He has been injured every year he's been here. And it's always a foot injury, which for a big guy is, is the worst injury to have is when you injure your feet. He's had like several of those. He's, he's like never been healthy. You know, this is, a, this is a player that you should play as few minutes as humanly possible, especially when you got weak competition. This is a part of your schedule where everybody should be able to play Get experience, get time underneath their belt. So come March, you're a better team. Now's not the time to wear your starters out. Now's the time to wear the bench players out, to wear your sixth, seventh, eighth man out. 
Let them get a lot of reps. Let them play a lot of minutes against teams that you should handle, that you should be able to handle, and let Malik rest. And Malik, of all players, should rest anyway. I mean, he was supposed to be on a minutes restriction. Like, literally, they talked about him being on a pitch count until coach, yeah, until until later on in the season to keep him healthy. Like, like Joe, am I missing something, or is Coach Peaks just like I know that 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 Coach Mack can't have any contact, but if, if you're Coach Mack right now, or would you be pulling your hair out watching, uh, you know, Malik Williams in a game where Louisville's up 20 points and this man's dragging up and down the floor when he should be sitting on the bench, like icing up them legs or something? Don't you think? Yeah, I mean, like, if I was Coach Mack, I would have learned how to send smoke signals, like letter, actual smoke signals. I'd fire up the grill and, and let it be known, man. Remember, we got a minute count on this guy. Rashawn, we talked about that preseason before the radio stuff. He's got to be restricted. Absolutely. This is five years and five lower extremity injuries. It's a nightmare for a big man. We talked about this last week, you know, Greg Oden, Sam Bowie. You know, I know, I know medicine's changed since Bowie and Walton, but I mean, those, those were the classic examples of big guys. We've since had Greg Oden, uh, Andrew Bynum, you know, you get the wrong injury at, at, at that size. You, you can't do what makes you a, a unicorn anymore. I would not be playing this kid more than 20 minutes before conference play starts. Maybe the Kentucky game, you let it go a little bit because that's your rival, but he's on a 20 minute. We're playing him 13 minutes in the first half. We're playing him in the second half until we might let him go one, a couple minutes past the first TV timeout. But this is an opportunity, as you all said. You're playing lesser competition. It may not be lesser than what the team is, but it's lesser than what they're going to play in conference. So let the other guys get some, get some run, get some minutes out of them, see who can come off the bench and contribute, because this isn't going to – it's going to be an all-year thing until February where you've got to really be be cognizant of how much run are we putting on, how much stress are we putting on his body. And, and, and to your point about, about it, what does he look like, to your point about what yeah. does he look like at practice, I kind of wonder if they're not limiting him so much at practice that they don't see it until he gets out on the court. And, hell, at that point he might be physically stiff. Well, and that's the point is, is that, like, you're talking about I got to see more from guys in practice. Well, my thing is this. If you got Malik on a bike somewhere, if he's not, if he's getting treatment rather mm-hmm. than being on the court, and then you're going to sit there and talk down to the other guys that are on the team. Like, I could see last year when Louisville didn't have any big guys and you basically had to pay Jalen Withers and J.J. Trainer where you're two big men, um, which neither one of those guys are big men. Like, I can understand if you didn't have that. But right now you have Roosevelt Wheeler, um, a guy who seems to be completely healthy um, as a freshman, a very very uh, highly heralded freshman, um, you know, one of the top ten centers uh, in his class coming out last year, and he's looked good. He looked good in the game against Navy on Monday. Like you have Roosevelt Wheeler, you have Sidney Curry, uh, you know, a, a big physical body that that you know needs time on the court to acclimate and get those game minutes. Why in the hell do you have Malik out there up twenty? Like. I don't know what Coach Peaks is trying to prove, but like I was very, very nervous watching Malik in that game down the stretch. He's in the game, two minutes left in the game, and you have Malik in there diving after balls, guys falling near his legs. Like I just, I don't know what Coach Peaks is trying to prove right now, um, but. I have serious questions, and I understand people that say, you know what, these guys are being put in an unbelievable situation. You know, they didn't ask to be here. They didn't know Coach Mack was going to be out. Damn that. 
You know basketball. You're a big man coach. You know what foot injuries do to big men. Like, Coach Peaks is not a child. He understands the way guys and the way injuries happen. Like, there's no need to just send Malik. Like, even if you lose a game or two because Malik's not out there. Like, I don't even think he's necessarily helping Louisville right now. The dude has been a turnstile for the other team's offense. Here's the one thing I'm going to say in defense of the interim coach, okay? And I have no idea what the what the temperature in the room is. I, uh, this is pure speculation to the listeners, okay? I don't have any inside scoop. And if I'm the interim coach, we already dropped one to Furman, and I'm looking around the, the locker room, and a lot of us are in year one because the last staff had to go. And a lot of these players are in year number one because a lot of the guys from last year had to go. Maybe there's not a whole lot of wiggle room for me to lose another one of these six games that I'm in charge of. You know, maybe that's – Oh, no, that, that's that's fair. But but to, to that point, you played Malik Williams 20 minutes in the second half against Furman, and you lost to Furman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like like that, that yeah. that's the – like I, I don't I, – I hate to oversimplify things, but sometimes – Coaches tend to make things harder than it has to be, and I know that they have trust in Malik because he's a captain. He's been there. He has the voice. But right now, the the man is not healthy, and and you need to protect the long-term investment um, of the team. And when you're a Louisville team that can't rebound, you have a center that anytime the ball goes long, he has – Malik Williams has zero chance of chasing down a rebound right now. <laughs> like, he can't move. Yeah. Like so, like he's not helping the team. Even if you go small and you put uh, Jalen back at the five, and then you bring in Sam Williamson, who's the probably the best rebounder on the team right now at the four, and bring in Matt Cross, and you go with that lineup, I'd still think that that lineup would rebound better than having a hobbled Malik Williams out there right now. Like, like literally, especially playing against teams that don't have the size. So, like that, that's going to be the biggest thing um, that I look at. I, I know that we're, that we're heading towards uh, the end, but the other thing, fellas, that I have to say uh, before we get out of here, can we please get Dre Davis out of the starting lineup? <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but at some point your production on the court has to merit you being out there. And while I love Dre and he's worked in, on retooling his free throw stroke, he's worked on retooling his jump shot, I can see the work he's putting in and I can see that he's trying to make it. Brother, you done shot seven air balls this year. You have four points and one rebound as the starter last game, playing three more minutes than Matt Cross did, who led the team in scoring last time out. Matt Cross should have your spot. Sam Williamson should have your spot. Like, this is not, you know, um, you're not. This is not a lifetime achievement award or a work hard award or you know the guy with the positive attitude. We need results out there. Louisville needs to get off to better starts. And I'm sorry, but but Dre ain't it. Like like, am I wrong? Like right now, like he should still play, but you need your you need to get off to the, to faster starts. And and to me, I just don't know what Dre Davis is giving you to to say that you know what he's going to give Louisville the best shot to get off to a good start. I, I mean, I kind of understand the, the idea and, and why it's it's so alluring of having Sam come off the bench. You know, maybe he gets it going offensively and, and he's your spark, you know, getting some, some easy transition buckets and putbacks. But I don't understand why we don't put him in the starting lineup simply for his rebounding. I mean, this team does yeah. not rebound well. 
Get him out on the floor. He is hands down the best rebounder we have on the team. It's not close. And and rebounding is one of those those things in, in basketball that I always look at. And I and I loved when Paget was the interim and he talked about how getting a rebound and getting that outlet pass is how he settled down. You know, and Rick used to talk about it. That's a hustle stat. Get him out on the floor, man, because we need some help on the glass. Please, it's please, coming, man. can it's we coming. rebound the ball? Just but you know wait. what? Give it time. The, the next edition, Louisville, Detroit Mercy happening 2 p.m. this afternoon. Make sure you check that out. It's somewhere on the Internet. Lord knows who. Hopefully it's not an RSN game where I'll be watching it on, like, I don't know, my watch or something at some point. They're going to have it on the Ocho. I, I have no <laughs> idea where it's going to be. But you know what, fellas? It's been an awesome morning. I appreciate you guys. Appreciate everybody listening. Wake up 502, and we'll be back. Wake up 502.com.